Yeah, sorry about that, guys. There's um, been a bit of uh, something going on with the internet. Don't know if it's the storms or something like that, but uh, I am here. I'm here. Good to see you guys. Um, Lots of stuff to talk about today. A little bit gone out of my head because of the problems with getting connected. Uh, so I'm on my second setup because my main setup isn't really working at the moment. So, But I'm here to... um. See if we can have a bit of a chat anyway about the about what's been going on the last few days. Um, the transfer window, the signing of Adam Ida, the sale of uh, Mikey Johnston and David Turnbull, um, and where this leaves us for the rest of our season. So get in the chat, guys, and uh, let me see what you've got to say. Hello to um, Ian McIntosh. Uh, says hello to um, every, all fellow boys and girls. Good to see you. Um, Mark McDonald says, better not sign players if the manager doesn't rate them. We'll get and talk about that. Um, and a hail hail from Anthony Aitken. So good to see you guys. Um, if you're watching this, it means you're probably subscribed to um, Thoughts and Hoops on YouTube. But um, obviously, if you're not subscribed, then get down below this uh, live stream. Click the subscribe button. Click notify. You'll get notifications when we go live and when when there's uh, clips uploaded to the channel and you'll just be kept completely up to date with what's going on with the um, with the stream. Right, so point number one. Some of you might have seen I tweeted about um, David Turnbull earlier on. Now, I, I said in that tweet that um, Settling David Turnbull, who is our third top goal scorer, who is a competent penalty taker we don't have many of, and um, who, to me, to my mind, is um, is uh, you know, a good option off the bench. Selling him when we know Hatati is injured, and when we haven't signed a replacement, is a bad call. Now, everybody knows my love for David Turnbull. It's not a, it's not a secret by any manner of means. Um, but I do think the way in which his sale went down was particularly um, problematic. And the reason I say that is because I just felt a little bit like it smacked of panic. I'm not, I'm not saying, there's a lot of people on Twitter today saying things like, you know, Ange didn't see anything in him, Brendan hasn't seen anything in him. Um, and he's had three managers at Celtic, none of whom have seen the potential in him. Now, I'm not saying for a second that I know anything better than Ange Postacoglu, Brendan Rodgers, anybody like that. But what I am saying is a couple of things. One, I believe that David Turnbull is a good footballer. There's a lot of people who say that he's not, but I believe he's a good footballer. I believe he brings something to the team that he doesn't get credit for and that he does score goals and does come on and create chances for us. And I believe that that he would have been of use to us in the second half of the season. Having said that, I do believe that it's entirely up to him if he wants to move on and try pastures new because heaven knows uh, he's not been given the opportunities he maybe feels he deserves. But the biggest point that I wanted to make about the whole David Turnbull thing was this. Um, he, he's a he's not the best player in the world by any stretch of the imagination, and I get that. 
what has really annoyed me about the way he's been treated, though, is the fact that he's far from the worst player we've ever had in a Celtic shirt. And you would think, by the way, that some fans react to him, that he's 100% the worst player we've had in a Celtic shirt. The abuse the guy gets is unbelievable. He said in his Instagram um, goodbye that, uh, what was it he said? Uh, thanks to the fans who supported me. Now, that was a very pointed statement, I felt. He wasn't saying thanks to all Celtic fans. He was saying thanks to the fans that supported me. And that just shows he knows he didn't get the support that he wanted or felt he deserved. And I, I think there's something in that. I think the guy feels hard done by, and I think he's every reason to feel hard done by. Um... But you know, I I really I really feel I really feel there's a toxic element to the support at the moment, especially online. And I know not all of you will be on Twitter and things like that, but a lot of people online sort of saying good riddance and this and that. The guy has won his trophies. He has been a big part of some of those trophies. People forget he was a mainstay of Angus' team in the first season, um, and he was a mainstay in the team when he first came in. Okay, it hasn't totally worked out for him. Um, but I do feel like he gets a disproportionate amount of disrespect and abuse that he doesn't deserve when there's other players, I could name them, who have come in, had much less impact, been much more, uh, much less fruitful in what they produce for the club and somehow end up with this kind of um, support from... Support from... Uh, from this, from the fans that I don't think is merited. You know, you've got Johnny Hayes, Patrick Roberts, players of that ilk who, let's face it, didn't really do much for us, weren't really great footballers, but are fondly remembered. Now, the reasons for it, I'm not entirely sure, but I know for certain that that we that we would be speaking in much different terms if this had, was either of them that was leaving in the in the in the manner that they have. Um but let get get in the comments, let me see what you think of Turnbull. Um I understand that he's not everybody's cup of tea. I understand that he is not everybody's favourite, but I really want to know what you guys think. Um James says uh maybe Dever David never seen a way into the team. I think he's a better player than some think. I do agree with that, and I, that's what I said as well. Is like I, I think he absolutely, um, uh, he left because he wanted to further his own career, and I get that. Um, he wasn't willing to wait for the six month for his contract to run out because we all know you've got to take the opportunities to leave when they're there. There's nothing to say that um. Cardiff would have been back in for him in the summer so I get why he left but I do think I do think that uh, yeah the level of disrespect is disproportionate to, to the, the ability of the player um, Ian McIntosh thank you for saying uh, you've made a couple of comments there thank you for saying uh, hit the like button below please do if you're enjoying what you're seeing from me on the channel Says for me, David Turnbull is useful against a low block when it's a bit like a shooting gallery, but his work rate off the ball is questionable for big games. And I, I take that on board. There's been plenty of times that um, this season, especially, where we've been trying to pass teams to death and their low block has been more than effective against it and we haven't been able to do anything about it. But um, 
and him him having the ability to shoot and accurately shoot is is something that that has come in very very useful. I accept that his work rate isn't a hundred percent and isn't great, but I think sometimes with players, it's not so much about what they do over the ninety minutes if they can produce that moment of quality. Everybody knows I've got my doubts about Dyson Maeda. The one thing that everybody says about him and that you can't deny is that his work rate is fantastic. His work rate is fantastic, but if he doesn't produce the magic moments in those split seconds that you need out of a game, then all that work rate kind of goes to waste, whereas David Turnbull gets the opposite kind of criticism. People say his work rate isn't good enough, but I feel that he produces the magic moments that you need sometimes. All about opinions, and I really enjoy um, I really enjoy hearing those. Um, David Gillespie says, feel like somewhere like Italy would really suit Turnbull's game. Very good player. I just think he suits Celtic uh, and maybe even... I just think he suits Celtic and maybe... Even the Scottish game, maybe that I think you maybe meant doesn't suit. Yeah, you've put it down there. Doesn't suit the Scottish game. Yeah, I, I wonder what he would do in a Bologna team like a Lewis Ferguson's found success in, or Verona the way Liam Henderson went away and did. Um, there's certainly um, aspects of aspects of that kind of game that could suit his game and I actually think he might get a little bit more time in the ball in the championship some people say not but he um he might just find himself able to to get a little bit more time on the ball um depending on the system that Cardiff play I'll, I'll certainly you know having uh, stuck my flag in the ground as far as David Turnbull is concerned I'll certainly be trying to catch a few Cardiff games between now and the end of the season to see how he fares down there but it will be interesting to see um, Ian McIntosh says Maeda is a team player fellow players and managers lo- love him which says a lot yeah I totally understand that and and I have to say some of my comments on Maeda in the past have certainly been ones I've gone on to regret the guy has a work rate that you cannot deny uh, my only frustration with him being that he's, he's definitely haphazard up front and that's that's to say the least you know um, but it will be interesting to to find out whether he um whether he is a success down there and I certainly hope he is. Uh, get in the comments, um there's there's a lot of you in, thirty-four people watching tonight. Uh, if you weren't here in the early stages, apologies for the kind of different setup tonight. Um the storms or something in Glasgow are playing havoc with my internet connection and this was the only way I could get onto the stream to to speak to y'all, um, but let me get your thoughts in the comments about David Turnbull, and we will we will discuss it. Um, like and subscribe on the YouTube channel if you can. Follow on your favourite podcast app. All of that good stuff helps me um, get the podcast out there to more people. Second thing I wanted to talk about um, tonight is is obviously Adam Ida. Um, we signed him from Norwich City, um, and. My goodness, if if the signing of a player could be a soap opera, then this would be up there with the best neighbours and home and away uh, episodes you could imagine. Um, for anybody who doesn't know or is just catching up on any of the news through this stream, which I'm sure you won't be, but if you are, um, we were chasing a certain Sidney Van Hoydonk uh, earlier in the window, um, son of 
ex-Celtic player, uh, Pierre Van Hooydonk. Now, say what you want about Pierre and the manner in which he left the club, but um, he certainly was a top-class goal scorer and um, still has an affinity for the club that has been seen, especially this season, with um, going or coming to Celtic fan audience things like the one with Axom a few weeks ago and and things like that. The guy in his younger years maybe did things that he probably wouldn't do the same if he had the chance again now, but um, but certainly nobody can doubt the type of um, class footballer he was. So his son, Sidney, currently playing for Bologna. A little bit out of favour, we were looking to get him in. And um, all of a sudden, when it looked as if we might be getting somewhere with that deal and, and becoming successful with that deal, um, he opts for Norwich in the, the English Championship. So you're thinking, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. January transfer window, there's there's all sorts going about in terms of offers and deals and, and all that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, you can't do anything about it. The guy doesn't want to come. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we get these rumours about Adam Ida, the Irish centre-forward who happens to play for Norwich and who suddenly we are interested in when it becomes clear that Van Hooydonk, um, uh we are suddenly interested in, in Ida when Van Hooydonk wants to go to Norwich. Now, I get that there's more stuff coming out that we um, weren't aware of. Um, I'll just bring this up by George Barr. I've heard a few rumours. George says, according to some, Celtic didn't make a move for Sydney um, Van Hooydonk. Um, I've also heard rumours that, in actual fact, Brendan wanted Ida over Van Hooydonk. But whatever's happened, whatever way you look at it... Um, then you've got to think, you know, the, the optics aren't very good that we are supposedly after a, a one striker and then he the very club he decides to go to, we are then suddenly linked with a striker from that club. It smacks of we're taking the scraps, we're taking the second base, we're taking um, the guy that they are wanting to get rid of to make room for the guy that we wanted. And given the fact that we have... Given the fact that we have the frustrations we have about the way the board's operated, it certainly wasn't going to be in the best interest or in, in the board's interest to, to get a player in that fashion because they were already had a lot of fans uh, on their on their backs, and, and this optically just didn't look very good. Having said all that, and even having looked at his, his stats, it's something like 12 senior goals and 117 appearances. Listen, I, I, I have never watched the guy play, so I can't sit here and say he's going to be a failure. I can't say and sit, sit here and say he's going to be a success. Even if I had watched him, I wouldn't be able to say that. But I think... I think that um, he, one thing is for sure, whatever happens, the negativity with which the signing was greeted and the, and the 
you know, negative way in which some of the supporters have spoken about this guy and written him off before he's even set foot on Celtic Park's pitch is not his fault. He, if he's a professional footballer, which he is, is going to come in and and give his all. He's going to do his best to um to score goals for the club that is paying his wages, which is us. And I think I don't think I need to say this to anybody watching this, but I think the guy deserves our full backing. He deserves, you know, every bit of support that we would give to any player. Um unless they're named David Turnbull, of course. <laughs> Um, he deserves all of our backing, and I think we, I think we owe that to him between now and the end of the season. Um, let's see some of your comments coming in. So, um, let me see. Um, Ian McIntosh says, uh, "Ida isn't the caliber I was hoping for, but I was always giving you signings a fair crack. It's not his fault. It was a disappointing window. Exactly. That's kind of what I was talking about there." Um, there's another one there from. Uh, Anthony Aitken says, I think this boy might prove a few people wrong. I think if you're a Celtic supporter, which we all are in here, um, then that's the least that's the least you can expect. Um, Anthony also says, um, SVH was never coming to Celtic. Pierre has said so. I mean, I, I've not seen that anywhere, but I, I take your word for it. It may well be the case that he was never coming to Celtic, and if that's the case, fine. It might have all been paper talk, but again, the optics of how the Ida move came about still don't look great, you know. Um, and also, I had seen some reports on on Van Hooydonk saying he wasn't great, but still, he was apparently our first choice over over Ida. So, um, there we go. There's a suggestion from James Mac uh, Murdoch. To see the best of Ida, he has to play beside Kyogo to get the best out of this boy. I I would love to... I've said this from a long time ago since Brendan came back in. I would love to see his play a 3-5-2. Uh, two up top would be great. Either to get better use out of Maeda, who I think is a bit wasted out wide, or to have a good foil for Kyogo, who's been struggling to get service this season. Um, um, George Barr says... I think he'll be decent for an out ball, a bit like GG. I've seen enough video evidence to suggest that Ida might be a good out ball, and I do agree with that. Um, but there's a part of me that thinks that an out ball is something that should only be reserved for Europe, which we are not in. Uh, we shouldn't need an out ball in the domestic game um, for Celtic. That's my personal opinion, but I, I do take your point. Um. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, Anthony Aitken says uh, that uh, Pierre, I think you're talking about, said it in front of Jerry Taylor on camera. Uh, I presume you're talking about the interview that was up on Axom. I'll need to go back and watch that and see if that's the case. But again, that was that was before Christmas. Now a lot could have changed in that time period. So uh, again, though, you've got more evidence of it than me, so I have to take your word for it. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Ida thing. There's been a lot of hysteria around it, which has maybe negatively impacted the way in which some of us have spoken about his arrival. Um, but I think what's clear and what everybody knows is that we have to support the guy, get behind him, make the most of um, 
the opportunity we've got to have another striker in there because, as we all know, Kyogo could get injured at any moment. Um, uh, o will be coming back from the Asian Cup, having uh, probably exhausted himself a little bit. Um, and it's just always good to have that third striker there. Uh, uh, and, you know, hopefully if we can get him the service that, that, we, that he needs, then then we've got somebody on our hands that can put a goal in. We've certainly not got that big physical presence up front. O is quite physical, but not quite as big a physical presence as, as Ida seems to be. So hopefully we can use that to our advantage, especially against some of the bigger teams like Livingston and things like that um, who, who bank themselves in against us. But we will, we will see. Let me know your thoughts on Adam Ida. Let me know your thoughts on, on Nicholas Kuhn. Let me know your thoughts on the exit of David Turnbull in the comments if you haven't already. Great to see 35 of you in the chat tonight. Um, if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or anything after the live show, then please leave me a five-star rating and a comment to see how much you love the show. It really helps us get out there. Um, the well, There you go, Ian McIntosh says. Pierre thought Shifty was good enough, so his comments on his son are pretty damning. I, you know, less said about that, the better, I think. Um, having, having spoken about two specific aspects of the window, I, I did want to um, talk a little bit more generally about some of the things that I picked up over this transfer window that suggest things are not good in the wider sense. Now, the first thing going back to Ida is that he said in one of his press conferences today, I can't remember if it was the one, the interview last night for Celtic TV with Jerry Taylor, eh, Jerry Taylor, Jerry McCulloch, um, or if it was the one um, in the press conference today, but he said he only learned of interest from Celtic on Monday. Now, that doesn't bode very well because that suggests to me that there was just utter panic stations going on. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say the deal took ages to get done, but to say you only heard of the interest on Monday suggests that, you know, he's not been on anybody's radar. He's not been a, a target for Brendan or a target for anybody at the club who's like, the minute January window opens, we're going to go for this guy. That's obviously not been the case. And again, that's not his fault. That's that's the board that uh, and the recruitment team and and to some extent the manager who are to blame for that. But it just it was a little piece of information that he gave out, a little nugget that suggested something much more harebrained, um, uh, sort of trajectory going on in the background. Another thing that I thought was quite interesting was I wanted to play the audio of the clip tonight but I, I can't do because I'm not on my full setup but um um the guys at 20 minute Tims although they don't always have time for me or what I say um I really enjoy their content and um they were their questions to to Brendan at the press conference today were really excellent they were really you know the kind of thing that you want fans to ask when they're afforded the opportunity to be at these press conferences and speaking as somebody who's done it before I can say that there's an intimidation factor that 
you might not always feel able to um you might not always feel able to you know, fully voice your concerns or fully word a question the way that you want to because when you're in the situation and you're faced with a manager staring you down, it is intimidating. But they were very, very forthright with their questions. And one of the ones they kind of asked about was they, they tried to get a little bit more in-depth information about Lager Bielkastain and about Brendan's thoughts on the success or otherwise of the transfer window. And his answers were less than satisfactory to me. I, he said various things um, that I just felt were indicative of a fact that he tried to deflect away from, from fans, you know, seeking for an individual to blame. He didn't feel like that was appropriate. And I get that. That's just common decency in a lot of cases. But he did say that he sided with fans in terms of thinking that we weren't being brave enough in the transfer market, that we weren't forthright enough and I think for a manager to say that is quite outspoken and I appreciate it from him but he also did say that it's his job to to encourage the club to have that bravery so my question then would be why why didn't he enforce the club into to acting more bravely um I I, I don't I don't know I, I I think my overall impression of the club has been that they've just been a bit shambolic. I, I I don't know if the, you know, Brendan's message today was that everybody had been working very hard and trying to get deals over the line and trying to make the most of, of the opportunities that might be available in the window, but there's just no evidence of it for me. No evidence of it whatsoever. And I, and I, I do feel as though um, we're in a situation where if anything, we're coming out of the window a bit weaker than we went into it. We've, we've loaned out Mikey Johnson, who, by the way, I hope with all the best will in the world to the guy, it's the last that we see the guy. We've lost David Turnbull. Hatati's coming back from the Asian Cup injured. Oh, we'll probably need a break when he comes back. Um, I, I, I sent a big rundown of it to, to my brother uh, this morning um, when I looked at uh, one of those pictures of the squad. We've got scales in the centre-back position who we were trying to sell in the summer and has all of a sudden become you know the the answer to all of our questions defensively apparently we've got Carter Vickers who can't stay fit we've got two left backs who now know that they are not the first choice um we've got Iwata who can't nail down a place in the team Home who can't nail down a place in the team Bernardo who has come on to a game but has yet to prove that he can continually do it consistently. Um, we've got Yang, who is hot and cold. We've got Palma, who's the same. You know, there's there's very few players in that squad who you would say uh, you can hang your hat on to to be good for. It's the only ones this season is is Callum because he's now come back onto a game. Um, Matt O'Reilly, who's been outstanding this season without question. Kyogo, who, despite the lack of service, does seem to deliver when it's required. And Maeda, who, whether you get an end product out of him or not all the time, definitely tries to... You can never fault his, his ambition and his, his work rate and his drive. Um, Derek asks here, 
Would a so-called elite coach or manager allow Celtic to travel in this trajectory? The majority of the team in the club are regressing under his leadership. We'll talk a little bit about Brendan Rodgers in a second because I do have some thoughts on that, Derek. Um, I'll... Uh, I'll let, I'll let you know. Um, Anthony Aitken says, um, let's just back the boys and get this league over the line. Uh, imagine saying for every five you spend, we gave one away and still won the league. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I think that would be quite that'd be quite good. And I have to say, before before we go into talking about Derek's point about Brendan Rodgers, I I'd I have said that I'm concerned about the way the board is managing things. I've said that I'm concerned about the direction that we're headed in. But unlike a lot of people, I've never said that I'm overly concerned about us winning the league or not. Now, I do think it's a gamble to do to go about things the way we have done. But I'm not I don't necessarily subscribe to this thing that that we're not going to win the league. I think I think we still have enough to win it. I think Rangers haven't shown they have certainly improved since getting rid of Michael Beale. They couldn't have failed to, I don't think. But I don't know that they've got enough to completely overturn us. Um so I I I really do think that the league is still well within our grasp. We've we've certainly allowed Rangers back into some sort of a title race, but it would take an awful lot more, I think, for us to completely throw it away. Um Ian McIntosh says Agree, I just want to bookend the window um, and get right behind the team and manager, get heads down and get this league won. This group is capable of delivering if we stick together. That's that's key as well. Um, Ali says, evening all. Um, good to see you. Um, and Ian again says, um, before the county game, we were getting some fluidity and momentum and there were reasons for optimism. And that's the thing. I think you can get distracted a lot of the time by... Um, you know, when there's too long between games, the discussions overtake the reality sometimes. And I'm as guilty of that as anybody. You know, I'm on Twitter a lot and tweeting my thoughts here, there and everywhere about the about the reality or otherwise of 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 the situation. But sometimes it's better when it's just games, 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 because you don't have time to to complain too much or to to think too much about what's going on. And that's not me being a happy clapper. That's not me um, trying to, uh, you know, avoid the questions that need asked. We all know the questions that need asked and answered, and we've talked about some of them already tonight. But I do think sometimes we just need to get back to, to the football and, 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 and try and... Um, concentrate on that which obviously we'll be able to do from Saturday which we will talk about Derek I'm going to talk about your um, comment about Brendan Rodgers uh, in a wee second but I just want to say thanks again to everybody for watching or listening if you're doing so on the podcast app um, we are very very near to 1,500 subscribers on the YouTube channel and if you are not subscribed and can help me get up to that 1,500 mark that would be absolutely fantastic. The fact that anybody clicks that button is unbelievable to me. Um, I started this podcast just because having um, parted ways with the previous outlet that I was involved with, which was Axom, um, 
I realised I missed doing it. So, and I really am enjoying being back doing it. As stressful as getting on when you don't have any internet is, it's still really enjoyable to be on here talking to you guys. So I'm going to bring Derek's comment back up and talk a little bit about that. Um, says, would a so-called elite manager allow Celtic to travel in this trajectory? The majority of the team and the club are regressing under his leadership. There is no question that the team and the club have regressed under his leadership. Where the question lies is how much of it is down to Brendan Rodgers. When you consider the quality of the squad that we had last season, when you consider the style of football that we were playing, and okay, some people said and just football was not great in the last six months, when you consider the utter dominance we had over the rest of Scotland last season, you have to admit that things have regressed under Rodgers. And certainly, we've now had two transfer windows with Rodgers in charge where it's clear he does not have the hold over the board that, that Ange Postecoglou did. He is not able to force through the moves for certain players that Ange Postecoglou did. Because regardless of what anybody says, and Ange did sign some flops, there are certain players who were absolutely Ange Postecoglou signings. Maeda was one. Kobayashi was one. Um, uh, they were two certain. Alistair Johnston was another one. You know, certain Ange Postecoglou signings that can't be denied. There is no signing, including the ones that have been brought in in this window. I think the only one I could suggest is probably a cert to have been a Brendan Rodgers, I want that player, is Nicholas Kuhn. And we've yet to see if he is a guy who lives up to the expectations. Um, but going back to your, your other point about we've agreed that things have regressed under the manager. How much of it is down to him? Before the window, I would have said not a lot. Um, he can't help it that the board, the club decided to sell Jota and not replace him. He can't help that they decided to sell Starfelt and not replace him. He can't help that Carter Vickers has been out injured for so long and Hatati's been out injured for so long. Those are things that he can't help. But what he can help is to force the board's hand a little bit more in the signings that he want. Um, he doesn't seem to have that ability to force the control. Um, and and um, Cupertino67 uh, says, why would Postacoglu have had full control, but Rogers doesn't? What's changed behind the scenes? That is a major question. The answer to which I do not know. Um, but it's it's clear that whatever the reason for it is, Rogers has to take the blame for some portion of not being able to force that the, the club's hand in certain situations. Um, and he did take a little bit of responsibility for that in today's press conference, but what's clear is he hasn't had the ability to do that. And that is a failing of his that we can't ignore and, and, and is a certain one. Another one is style of football that he's playing that's entirely down to the manager if that isn't down to the manager then I don't know who it's down to because that's the whole point that he's there he's there to pick the players and dictate the play um and the way in which we've been playing is absolutely turgid at times um 
the number of games that we've really struggled to break teams down. I mean, Ross County at the weekend, it wasn't even a case of that we were creating chance after chance and missing them. We got a lucky deflected goal earlier in the game and the rest of the game was an absolute dire trudge. That is down to the manager. Um, and I, I, and I, I put up a tweet a few few days ago that again gained a lot of attention probably because people disagreed with it because that seems to be what happens on Twitter. Um, but I, I did say, you know, regardless of all the success that he brought and the dominance that he brought, Brendan Rodgers ushered in perhaps one of the most, if not the most dominant period in Celt- domestic period in Celtic's history. I can't say with all honesty that I enjoyed watching those teams, though, the Invincible team and 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 and, and the treble winning teams that he had. Yes, they got the success that we needed, but a lot of the time the football was pretty dull. You know, when Ange was manager, even if you even if you didn't win the game, you he very often came away thinking that was a fun game of football to watch. And I was asked actually by somebody, um, whether it's more important to me to enjoy watching Celtic play or to win trophies. And I says, well, that's a very difficult question to answer when I'm in the fortunate position of having seen my team win a lot of trophies. I know there's a lot of people out there who support clubs who never win anything and would give their right arm to win a a league or a cup or something like that just by thoroughly winning 1-0 all the time and scraping results. But speaking as somebody who's had their team win loads of trophies and maybe had that colour, what my opinion on it is, I have to say I prefer watching a Celtic team that I enjoy watching. I enjoy watching a Celtic team that has free-flowing, fast-paced attack, scores lots of goals, even if we concede lots of goals. And the reason I say that is because very often, if you enjoy watching your team play, the success then follows. They're very rarely mutually exclusive. Whereas you can have a team who plays boring football and wins, but you can also have a team who plays very boring football and loses. So I personally would prioritise the way in which we play and then the success hopefully therefore follows. Um, Ian McIntosh does say um, the team with Sinclair... Uh, Dembele, Tierney, etc. were a good watch. They were, but I think that was his first season, wasn't it? I mean, like, majority of his time was without a lot of those players and and, and he didn't... Uh, he didn't kind of live up to that first first lot. Um, Tom McVeigh says, Hail, hail to all Celtic fans. Hail, hail to you. Um, I'm enjoying having you in the, in the show. Um uh, and uh, Jake Hill Hill says um I think Ange had control because he bought well within the budget. That's another thing you have to consider. You know maybe we're all sitting here saying that the board are tight, are tight and they're cheapskates and they're this and they're that. We don't know the scale of spending that that Brendan Rodgers was looking to make. Maybe he's not been able to get the players he wants in because they were actually unrealistic players to get. Um. Ange definitely tried to scour markets that probably Celtic were happy to indulge him with because he was working within a budget. But as he's since shown since he went to Tottenham, he knows how to spend his money as well if he's got that budget as well. So um, 
maybe it takes a little bit more of um, awareness from Brendan Rodgers about the resources that are available at Celtic. Because I know everybody says we've got 72 million in the coffers, but we're in a very strange position in Scotland where it would almost be pointless us trying to spend above a certain amount of money because players above a certain amount of money expect to be playing at a certain level. And that level is above Scottish football. So you could say, oh, let's go out and spend 12 million on a striker, but how good a striker are you going to get for that money? Don't know. Um, uh, G. Webster says, um, Ange had control because when Ange speaks, everyone listens. Just look at how he's thought of down there. I mean, I think there's an element of that in it as well. Brendan Rodgers did have a little bit of that about him, though, when he first kind of burst onto the scene, so to speak, to use a, a Micah Richards-ism. Um, so I don't really know... I don't really know what it is about Brendan that he doesn't... And I think that's what's frustrating Celtic fans more and more, is he's gone from being this guy who we thought was going to come in and save us to being this guy who is maybe towing the party line a little bit too much, and it's just frustrating to, to, to watch. Um... Ian says, um, I think Brendan's tactics, slightly more measured approach, uh, suited to playing stronger opposition in Europe and Ange more demolishing league teams with style. There's an element of that to both of them. However, I don't agree that when Brendan came back in, I heard lots of people say, oh, well, he'll make us more pragmatic in Europe and he'll get us more success in Europe. And I remember thinking at the time, well, no, because we get spanked regularly in Europe when Brendan was here the first time so I didn't think he would necessarily be an awful lot better than than Angie either um, but listen I, I'm going to I could sit here and talk about it till the cows come home I'm certainly not going to come up with any answers um, uh, much less um, any answers that are going to provide us with uh, with the solutions that we need Um the last point I wanted to talk about tonight um, is obviously a look ahead to the Aberdeen game and to the next few weeks. One thing's clear. We've got, I think it's six games between now and the end of February. Uh, the season is really kick- kicking back in um, after the winter break. We've had a couple of games here and there. We've had the Scottish Cup. But the league is really kicking back in um, over the next couple of weeks. There is no doubt in my mind that we need full points from all the league league games between now and the end of February. Um, We need to make sure that any gap that we maintain, which I think if Rangers win all their games in hand, is cut down to about three points. We need to make sure that in each of those cases, we just keep the pedal to the metal and keep going because... Rangers might not be able to beat us. They don't seem to be able to beat us. But they do seem to be able to beat the majority of other sides in the in the league. Um, and I think the only way in which we're going to lose this league is if we slip up against one of these other teams and let Rangers get in. Um, I still am confident that we have the making of them um, in head-to-heads. But... I'm not entirely sure that we um, that we aren't going to drop points against other teams. We really need to concentrate on that. A um, couple of comments coming in. Willie Ennis says, 
The window has been a personal slapdown of Rogers by the Lobos. He's set out what he needed and they had 152 days and produced nothing. I mean, that's a, it's a damning statement, but it may well be true. Um, G. Webster says, um, When Brendan was at Liverpool, everyone wanted him to fail. Most football people love Ange because he does it his way and doesn't change. And I think that's a major, major thing. I, I'm not just talking about Ange here. I'm talking about in life in general. If the thing that you're doing works, then you should keep doing it. <laughs> it's, it's, it. That's the, the top and bottom of it. If it's working, keep doing it. Um, Willie Annis says, here's hoping their post-Crimble meltdown retu- re- uh, returns. It may well, it may well not. I don't know. I don't know. Um, one thing's for sure. The game against Aberdeen this weekend is one that we need to be very careful of because they are a team... I don't know if they've appointed anybody after um, Barry Robson getting the sack, but we all know about new manager bounce and we all know about players you know, down in tools with certain managers and then picking them up again once the manager's out. We need to be on our toes against this Aberdeen side because if we're not, um, we could have serious issues they they will be there will be players in that team who are fighting to remain at the club there will be players in that team who've been frozen out by the previous manager who are wanting to get back into the squad um but you know i think i think we just need to get our heads down concentrate and you know the league is still in our hands and let's let's not forget that um, thanks everybody much for so much for commenting tonight. Um, it's been really good to go on and talk Celtic with you. I do apologise for the the late start and the the messy start to the podcast. It was a little bit of a strange one, um, but we got on. Um, I'm going to leave it here, um, and I'm going to say thank you again. Uh, we will be back at f- seven pm or as close to as possible next Friday. Um, to talk a little bit more about Celtic. But until then, thank you very much, and I will see you next week.